Welcome to the Kenza Pod, brought to you by the Kenza Collective, a platform designed to teach parents how to leverage their existing skills and network to create a successful freelance business. On this podcast, we bring you inspiring stories from other parent entrepreneurs, and we share pro tips to help you build a sustainable business so that you can create a life and a living that truly works for your family. Hello there, and welcome to the Kenza Pod. This is Tiffany Jones, your co-host. My other co-host, Beth, is not joining us today, unfortunately. We'll miss you today, Beth. Um, But today we have the pleasure of talking to Adita Atek, who is someone that I heard on another podcast and wrote down, I should look back, it was months and months ago. I was like, oh, I need to talk to this person (laughs) when when the timing's right. And so when we were looking at wanting to do a theme this month all around mindset um, and mindfulness and all of those fun things, um, I knew I had to reach out. And luckily she was able to get us in her schedule and join us today and we're really excited. So let me tell you a little bit about her background and then we'll welcome her on. So Adita is a breakthrough strategist who guides ambitious and visionary women entrepreneurs to create an identity that matches the outcome they desire in their business and their life. From embodying a total success mindset mastery strategy, releasing limiting unconscious programming, she helps her clients effectively work with stress, which I'm excited to dig into that part, um, nervous system patterns and their energy, and develop new mental and emotional habits, slow down their biological age, align with their vision, and become true CEOs of their life. Just, I mean, I love that, and I'm so excited about that. So let's talk to Adita today about how she wants us to awaken our inner leader. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Tiffany. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm absolutely thrilled to create, co-create something together and uh, offer all of those who are going to be listening to this an incredible value and encouragement and empowerment. Yes, I love it. Um, So before we dive in, I would love to hear a little bit more about you, how you came to be doing this work, maybe just a little bit of your story. Of course. So just very briefly, I, um, I've had a lot of academic background um, in my early years because I was one of those kids who could never figure out what I want to do when I grow up. And I'm still trying to figure that part out. <laughs> it's never too late. Um, and so I originally graduated from law. Then I moved to Canada. I That was in Slovakia, in Europe. Then I moved to Canada. I studied political science and history. Then I also did some um, business and accounting. And I ended up working for a company that was technically a non-bank lender to organizations in various industries. So I got my hands on that part, reading financial statements. But big part of me, who I really was inside and I was not exploring enough in terms of the professional um, side, was I was really the personal development girl. I I really understood there is Mm. so much inside us and in our interconnection with the world that the academic world is not addressing so we can get incredibly intellectually advanced and academically advanced but we can be still disconnected and fragmented inside um so to make the very long story short um i eventually when my daughter was born i think about three and a half years into after her birth i just decided i'm going to ditch the corporate world and i'm going to dive into this new phase of my life where i'm going to be discovering what my true passion is, what my true strength is, and still use that rich academic background that I did have, but in a a very new way. So needless to say, it was a long uh, journey, but I think it was um, 
at the you know very essence of it, it was truly inspired by an experience that I had as a teenager, which you may have heard in the other podcast where I was involved in a massive accident. And I think that something opened, awakened inside of me where I was like insanely hungry to know, you know, what makes us whole, what breaks us down, what makes us thrive. And all of these questions were constantly floating um, in my head. So over the years, I have started to build my my coaching practice. I was doing a lot of uh, workshops and seminars and presentations. And end of 2019, early 2020, I decided to pivot very specifically to women because I learned that women, especially the ones who have visions, who have ambitions, but they also are parents predominantly, uh, you know, that's my, my clientele, not only parents, but big part, they have these massive um, pressures to figure out how do we combine motherhood and be great moms and not give up on our dreams. And another massive impetus for me to move towards this work, working very specifically with women and women's challenges was um, um, one of my clients, 15 year old, I was back in 2018, uh, he took his life at 15 and he left a note and I just looked at that as something that I, I thought I need to kind of find a way to move this forward and, and not let that message die. And actually my book that I wrote, <clears throat> excuse me, two years ago ends with the quote that he left in his final note because I really wanted to make sure that we build something going forward that is, um, you know, that we create something in the future that that life didn't get lost for no reason. So today I do work uh, with women, entrepreneurs, CEOs, founders or organizations, leaders who who want to create this future identity and who <clears throat> want to combine and really want to learn and revolutionize and reprogram their entire being. So in a nutshell, that's probably it. <laughs> I could go on. <laughs> well, I, I there was just so much in there that I would love to dig into a little bit more. Um, maybe that, that note you were talking about, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you saw that connecting to your work specifically. Uh, the, the way it connected, I think, you know, in all the transparency was witnessing another parents, you know, somebody who would be on in all terms considered to be successful in a professional career and her husband as well. And to see a parent to go through that kind of grief I think that kind of grabbed me on a real visceral level. And, you know, it's not to say that that was the only client I ever had that had experienced this, but I think all of my other clients and anybody that I knew we were so deeply touched by that. And, um, and I think that, that, that grieving part of it kind of made me feel, you know, there is something that I need to do. And I was just about finished with my manuscript. It was going in for publishing and I was incredibly lucky for those of you who may know Dr. Gabor Mate, he's like a, world-renowned leader in the field of research on trauma, emotions, and and stress, and all of those things. Um, and he endorsed my book. And mm-hmm. I had enough time to fit in that that quote in there. I, I didn't even think twice. I just said, I'm just going to put it in there because this message needs to be somehow combined so we move forward and there you know there's some kind of a legacy behind that and that we as moms who are building incredible things we can also support the future generation because I think our kids need so much support today yeah yeah I I love where you're going with that because I really resonate with it I remember when I had my daughter and really started to understand 
you know, our ability as parents to take care of our children, to be there for them, but to be there for ourselves too, that's really how the world starts to change as we start to raise children where we can be with them as parents and we can raise them in the way we want to raise them. But when we're stuck in these corporate jobs that are so demanding and just have no room for family and it's like family or kids, it's like your own personal business, like we don't want to deal with any of that. I just realized, you know, that's just, that's just not the way forward. And there's so many parents out there who have these amazing skills, just like you did, you know, you, they, you have this corporate experience, you have this work experience, and you can translate that to a different type of career. You know, you can translate that to your working for yourself or, you know, working for a company that is going to allow you to really raise your family and raise yourself the way that you want to be doing that. Um, so I love that you're helping parents and moms specifically with that transition, it sounds like. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's definitely yeah. very close to my heart. And it's incredible to see the transformation that I see from women, you know, who want to be CEOs of their companies, but they also then take on the notion, I want to be the CEO of my life. How do I not miss yeah. that period with my kids and don't look back yeah. with regret? So I have the company, I have the personal satisfaction, but I'm also living in a family that is nurturing and supportive and conducive to the growth because ultimately it doesn't matter how much intellectual capacity we offer to our kids and you know how much access they have to learning on YouTube and Google and everything. It's really the blueprint we're offering to them that comes from deep within. And uh, that's why we see, I see a lot of people who are incredibly intellectually advanced, but deeply they're deep inside, they're quite fragmented. And that's why I often say, and even for women, it, it, it it's so applicable that Sometimes I see more education they have, the more detached they are from their body and everything else. They can explain everything in terms of logic and, and, their, and their academic knowledge, but it's so much harder for them to connect deeper within. Ultimately, at the end of the day, we are mammals. <laughs> right. Why do you think that happens? Why do you think that specifically women, you know, why, why do we do that? It's an amazing question, um, and I will attempt to give some of the answer that I, uh, answers that I think apply. A big part of it, I think, it's cultural. Uh, you know, women are or typically viewed as caregivers and as nurturers, and often in the past they they needed to push back their personal desires, their personal growth and development, and they were everything was for the family. So many women were raising family, but they were still not. Um, you know, they were not fulfilled because they, they had these deep desires within themselves. Um, so, and then, you know, the, the opportunities opened up. We all went to schools, attended universities. Some of us did, some of us didn't, doesn't really matter. But we exposed ourselves to this massive amount of learning and we glorified intellect. Like as a society for the last, I don't know how many decades, we literally glorify intellect. Like I remember talking to sometimes to parents of like grade one kids and they would be worried, you know, how much, you know, how many numbers they're going to be counting to in grade one or whatever. <laughs> and I'm thinking yeah. that, I mean, yeah, it is important, but they are a touch the uh, the the physical comfort the singing to them the holding them the yeah. allowing as we can get to that later the blueprint of our nervous system to transfer to them are so much more important for the development and for the mm -hmm. development of very specific aspects of the nervous system that is going to make them happy healthy and immune happy i shouldn't be using that word because happiness is a fleeting emotion i would say um empowered 
And, you know, we can't always be happy in life. But I think that is so important. And we can always add that additional component of learning on top of that. It's never too late to learn. Yes. Yeah, I, I always think whenever I think like, so my, my daughter's, um, she'll be three in August. So she's about a little over two and a half right now. And, um, you know, if, if any, if I ever think like, oh, I wonder if I should be teaching her this or that, I always think she's, she's going to learn how to count to 20 at some point in her life. You know, <laughs> like I don't need to focus on that. She's going to pick up how to do these different skills and we're going to help her. But, um, you know, she will learn at some point. Um, I always remind myself that. Um, yeah, that just kind of reminded me one thing is that uh, to the previous question, I think we also, because of so many competing interests in our head and so much we want to accomplish, we're losing the sense of presence. And women have definitely been part of this um, experience because they they have so many things on their mind. They're multitasking all the time, especially if they have jobs mm -hmm. in the family. And I think one of the greatest mm -hmm. gifts we can offer to our kids, which is seemingly so simple and it's non-material, it's our absolute uh, incredible presence nothing else mm -hmm. just be present for them and not have 15 other thoughts about other things yeah it's so hard sometimes but it's so important and, and you can really see such a difference in the way that they interact with you um, and the way that they pull you over to look at things or want you to be there um, when you really are giving your full attention um, there's this concept out there called um, like a golden time or a golden hour or something like that where um, people who kind of follow like the gentle parenting or respectful parenting uh, type of parenting skill or um, parenting style um, they talk about this time where it's really important to set aside at least one or two chunks of time a day where your kid knows that you are going to be 100% focused on them. So you put your phone away, you're not doing anything else, and it can be 10 minutes, it can be an hour, whatever you want to make it, but your kid knows, okay, at this time every day, mom's going to be with me 100%. And I remember when I read that when my baby was younger, I think I got a little judgy of like, man, you really have to set aside time like that to be with your kid? Like, come on. But now my kid's getting older and my my business is starting to grow and just life is getting more complicated with different family and just, you know, life gets complicated as you get older, as I'm discovering. <laughs> um, I realized that if you're not intentional with setting those golden hours or golden times aside, that actually can really slip away. And maybe you do it, you know, every couple of days or every weekend or something like that. But if you're not really making sure that that happens, yeah, it does slip away and it really does cause a distance, like in a rift between you and your child. And I feel that. So all that to say, I've become less judgy of that concept. Yeah. And also kids build patterns, you know, in their, mm -hmm. in their um, understanding and the perception of the world, they build patterns inside their nervous system and they start incredibly early. And, you know, science now tells us some of the early unconscious beliefs, we always thought it all starts from, uh, from, from the birth. Now we know they're starting to build uh, unconscious beliefs as early as the third trimester in the womb, wow. which is absolutely mind-blowing fascinating. Yeah, it is. It is so fascinating. It's been such a great experience to have a child and kind of be on this other side and just realize how important children are and how important our attention to them and our caring of them and obviously you know that before you have kids from a just you know a human standpoint but once you really have them you see like how incredibly important raising our children is to you know continuing the world and bettering the world and making things better and yeah, it's just whenever I see people who are, you know, hurting, hurting other people or just what we would perceive to be bad people, I'm always like, 
what happened to you as a kid? You know, how can we prevent that happening to another child? Um, so that they don't grow up to be acting out like you are, you know, it's just this continual thing. So anyway, it's fascinating to me. Yes, it is. Well, you wrote a book called Awaken Your Inner Leader, Transform Stress, Develop Emotional Mastery, and Thrive. And you called it the Busy Professionals Roadmap to Freedom. And, you know, I I know a lot of our listeners are busy professionals um, who are really working hard to integrate their career and their work life with their, you know, at-home life and their parent and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so maybe we can talk about some of the concepts from your book and you can just help us understand, you know, what is this freedom that you speak of that, you know, if a busy professionals moving from one side to the other, talk to us about kind of what the freedom is that you're talking about there and, and what you're trying to get across. Yeah. What a surprising question. Um, I never expected, um, uh, for you to come from that angle. Um, that's, uh, that's <laughs> amazing. Either. Yeah. No. Okay. So first of all, I just want to say, despite the fact that I work, you know, primarily in a boutique style business one-on-one, the book was something that I literally wanted to dedicate to the world. I was so hungry to get that message out. And funny thing is, as an aside, before I get to the freedom, don't worry, I didn't forget. Um, I originally started as an ebook for my website and then it started growing and I never even expected originally to, for it to be published. Uh, But in my numerous, numerous conversations with women, because even back then when I was working both with men and women, vast majority of my clients were women anyway. And the word that kept coming up often, often, you know, when I said, what do you really want in life? Freedom. And that word just kept coming up. So it's it's like we have, you know, uh, feel free to ask some of your friends, you know, what is all the top things that you really want to accomplish? Like one of the most frequent answers that came to me was I want to feel free. I want to feel freedom. So this concept of spaciousness and freedom, whatever it means for individual person came up for me. And I decided to dedicate the book basically to any human who is willing to learn and grow because this book is just one single tiny step moving towards the you know much greater knowledge but a lot of things in the book i highly recommend for anyone who would be willing to really take time with it there are a lot of experiential practices and don't ever stop learning for the rest of your life because it all adds up uh so i think that's where the word freedom came from how do we accomplish things that we want how do we go after our goals but still feel spacious and free and we don't feel the shackles of our everyday life or the the burden of um uh, of challenges uh because you know let's face it we're all old enough here i think to say life is hard Life brings so many challenges, like, you know, we cannot escape them. But how do we, despite all of that, maintain this state of flow and freedom inside of us? So I think, thank you so much for that question, because it allowed me to dig deeper. But that's where it all came from. Yeah, I think and I think that that word, um, you know, resonates with me specifically as it relates to what we're working on at Kenza Collective is just trying to create, help people create a life that is free. So, um, my, my co-founder Beth has this, uh, this saying, she calls people who (laughs) work for like a traditional company, captive employees. And, you know, we don't mean to bag on anybody who who works for a traditional company or anything like that. We've all been there and, and it's not working for yourself. is not for everyone, of course. But what we mean by that is like, 
is we want people to have the freedom to create a schedule that actually works for their families. You know, like for example, yesterday we, you and I were supposed to have this podcast episode recording and, and we had to reschedule because I have some pretty um, heavy family stuff going on right now that I needed. I just had to go deal with kind of last minute. And you know, that's the freedom that I get to have working for myself, you know? Um, and then the other freedom that I'm particularly passionate about is this concept of freedom of association. So having the freedom to choose who you associate with in your life. And I feel like we are delivered this sort of toxic message that um, if you work for a crappy boss or you work for, you know, you work with crappy coworkers who are just toxic and bringing you down, that like there's this concept that you just have to deal with it and you just have to accept it. And even, um, you know, we're, my husband and I are pretty passionate about exploring the unschooling route with our child or homeschooling and and not sending her to traditional school. And I got into this conversation with my grandfather actually just about a week ago about this whole thing. And, and he was like, they need to go to school and learn how to deal with adversity and how to deal with bad people. And they're always going to have like, you know, bad people in their lives and just have to deal with them, blah, blah, blah. And this concept of like, that we just have to deal with bad people in our lives. And I just, I don't subscribe to that. And I think that if you're at a job where you're working for someone toxic, leave, you know, if you can start looking for another job, start changing your situation. And same thing with school, like sending our daughter, if we were going to send her to school, you know, I wouldn't want her to be stuck in a classroom with somebody who's bullying her, someone who's really mean to her. It's like we strip that freedom away from our children when we send them to those situations and we don't allow them to make the decision to leave a situation that's toxic for them. And so then as adults, we grow up thinking that too, you know? Yeah. And I think that would particularly apply at a young age, like your daughter is like, I think, you know, being exposed to somebody who is, you know, who is mean or has some more aggressive behavior later on when these kids have established certain patterns of safety is a different story. But for a three and a half year old to go, I don't know what type of schools there are for three and a half year olds, but, um, you know, I think at that age, that's such a critical age for them to establish that sense of safety of belonging who they are with. So their, uh, their capacity to process stress is really powerful. So yeah, that's, um, that's very nicely said. I mean, eventually yeah. we all need to de deal with bullies and, and difficult people in life. But right. when right. you what you know, our, our unconscious and our nervous system patterns start building in the first few years of our life. So if kids are away from their primary caregivers where they feel really truly safe, um, it can become more difficult for them because they, they receive confusing messages and they do not have the vocabulary to express that. What's wrong? Yeah. So let's, let's dig into your book and some of the concepts in there. Um, so there's something you talk about called the human operating system. Yes. I'm curious what that is and how that affects our you know day-to-day -day lives here. Absolutely. So uh, the reason why I picked some of these words, the book is written completely in non-technical terms. And even my 15-year-old daughter at that time, she did the illustrations for the book because I, you know, one thing that I've noticed, um, I, I spent a lot of time among academics and I've spent a lot of, I've, I've met a lot of people who are incredibly intellectually advanced and we understand these concepts intellectually. We can even explain them. But to process them and experience them and apply them is a different story. So I 
And of course, I'm not a physician either. So I wanted to write it very transparently from a perspective of somebody who is experiencing it, who is working with it, who practices it. Uh, so I didn't want to talk autonomic nervous system and I didn't want to talk sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, which I'm probably sure almost everybody who's going to be listening to this heard at some point in time. And you understand it, you've heard it many times before. What does it really mean for you when you go through your day-to-day -day life and you see your kids screaming? Not much. So uh, I have kind of coined it as the human operating system, the stress processing apparatus that is built into us and that we've had through, you know, millions of years of or hundreds of thousands of years or whatever number of years through evolution that is within us that exists, that is built into us. And I am talking about the way how it operates. I'm actually using car terminology. You know, I'm using how we use our gas and our brake pedal and our lubrication within this mm. system. And I, the reason why I named the, the autonomic nervous system, the human operating system, because everybody can relate to computers. So even yeah. when I talk to people and I tell them, you know, imagine you have your computer in front of you, whether it's a PC or, or an Apple, and it has an operating system. If that system is not working properly, I do not care what kind of apps, what fancy software you're going to add to it, which we do in our lives. If you use that as a metaphor for other things we kind of put into our lives. But if the operating mm -hmm. system is not working properly, the whole computer is going to be not working properly, despite all the other fancy stuff that we add to it. And it's going to look very pretty, but it's still going to be susceptible to viruses. It still may possibly not be much slower. It will be not efficient. Eventually it may break down. So that's the human operating system, H-O-S. Yeah, There's so many ways you could go with that. It's like, if your hard drive is too full, it's going to start to run slowly. You that's know? right. That's right. <laughs> totally relatable to life. And then also at that time, you know, my daughter came to a few of my seminars and workshops I was giving. And I said, you know, I would love for you to like draw because she's very much into drawing. She's uh, quite talented to, uh, for that. And I said, I want oh, you cool. to come up with some graphs where you would just graph it, you know, and just in your interpretation. So that's that's how it all started. Don't use any technical terminology. Let people use metaphors that they're so familiar with. That's a, such a great idea. So talk to us about this idea of emotional literacy or emotional intelligence and how that kind of plays into, you know, shaping our lives and awakening our inner leader. Absolutely. So emotions, you know, we have had so much more emotional awareness in the last decade, I think, than we've ever had before. Like, you know, 20, 30 years ago, people tried to talk about emotions and much of it was falling on deaf ears. But today, you know, we're so much smarter than we were ever before. So emotions are being talked about a lot, uh, thankfully. And, uh, mm -hmm. and they're really one important component of who we are being. And I think the purpose of this book was also to emphasize how everything is interconnected. And when we are experiencing our emotions, we are experiencing our human operating system because our emotions and our nervous system are interconnected. And one of the messages I wanted to give out that I really want people to embrace the idea that we don't have one isolated system in our body. So the nervous system, our emotions, our immune system, our hormone system, the way we think it's all interconnected. It's one system and emotion is one part of it, but it's not like they are just here and we just experience something because when we experience that and we experience our, our um, nervous system, everything inside us is receiving that information because everything is interconnected. So the whole idea was to create this awareness, this literacy 
of understanding, number one, that emotions are a physiological expression in the body and they connect to everything. When we experience an emotion, whether it's anger or frustration or sadness, we are experiencing our nervous system. And with that, all of the other parts of our body are experiencing that as well. Nothing exists in isolation and we do not exist in isolation from our environment, from the nature, despite the fact that we have reached so many incredible, uh, incredible technological advances in the 21st century. And I think, um, you know, nature is starting to speak back to us because we have kind of forgotten that we are part of that. Um, so our, our emotions are an incredibly powerful component of who we are. They are essential for our health. They're also essential for self-knowledge because an emotion uh, can be um, just as a response of our system to our environment. And we need to recognize when our emotions are telling us and I'm going to use just one generic word, emotions, when our emotions are telling us we are not safe. Um, you know, uh, when we are in a place where we just feel this kind of an eerie feeling, and we have that because we are mammals, just like animals in the wild, they will sense danger. So do we. And that's why when I heard, you know, phrases, you know, be fearless, be this, you know, especially about fear, to a degree, it's a nonsense to me personally, and I'm not trying to put down anybody, but from my perspective, because we need fear. We need our kids to understand that when they're going into a situation, they are not just going to talk them in, in, talk themselves into it. They need to be so deeply connected to their bodies that they can actually feel. Is this a safe mm -hmm. space? Are there people around me? What is my body telling me? Then there's, of course, the other part of the fear which we generate through our thinking so we really need to understand what is the source of the inf information because ultimately every emotion as i write in the book and that's why i personally believe every emotion is a source of information so instead of getting lost in it how do we really decipher what it means for us and that starts just like when kids go to school and they start learning their abcs we need to learn the language of our emotions so that's where it all started yeah. So I know that some of the ways that, you know, I've studied um, helping my daughter with, with emotional intelligence is, you know, you know, she's only two and a half. So when she's feeling something, helping to name those feelings, you know, so if she's kind of having, she's really upset about something because she's feeling frustrated because I took something away or whatever. And I, you know, give her a hug and I say, you're feeling frustrated right now. I understand, you know, and you name the feelings to help them start to have that language. But how can, how can we do that as adults if maybe we need to train ourselves to be a little bit more in tune, more emotionally intelligent with our own selves? And then hopefully that can translate to the way that we, you know, interact with clients or interact with people in our, you know, working lives and in our personal lives. What are some strategies that we can do as adults to train ourselves when um, maybe we weren't taught? Absolutely important. I'm really loving the fact that you're asking me these questions because they, the way we teach our kids, it's not through what we are telling them, especially at a very, very young age. We teach them through who we are being and how we process emotions. Mm -hmm. They will mm -hmm. sense that, you know, the mother or the father is upset or, you know, is full of rage or is full of sadness. They have no words or vocabulary, but the part of their body that is developing can pick up on that energy. That's why you may have a parent who will tell the child, you know, everything is okay, sweetie, don't worry about it. But the child is still... Um, uh, you know, stressed or or shows, uh, you know, discomfort or maybe even starts crying because the message 
the nonverbal message she or he is receiving from the parent is contrary to the words. So I think yeah. in the first few years of, of life is really that nonverbal part that they really need to get through touch, through understanding. Language is very important. The nonverbal um, neurological uh, processing is far more important than language in my view. And for yeah. us as adults, I would say we really need to recognize our own patterns uh, how our how we respond to stress because we often tend to think we tend to shift our perceptions into intellectualizing uh, intellectualizing emotions. We really need to understand how we process conflict, how we show up. Do we numb emotions? Do we explode with them? Where do we feel them in our bodies? And naming, of course, helps. But I think the com combination of of using language and actually processing them on a physical level are very, very important. So, and I'm not saying I, you know, I, I, I'm any expert. I'm just as much learning as everyone else. And I have always said for the rest of my life, I plan to live beyond 100. And when I get to my last breath, I will say I'm a learner. I'm still learning new things about emotions and about everything else, no matter how many books would I have written. Um, so it's really to feel it through in the body, really noticing, is my system getting activated when I'm feeling that emotion? Or is my system kind of slowing down, numbing down, shutting down? So that combination of the asking ourselves what it feels like, how it feels like, what our thoughts are talking, telling us about all of this are all important. But to me, one of the things we often leave out is the physiological processing of the emotion so one of the things i was doing uh, what i was going to like let's say with my daughter and I, i'm still getting better at it uh, you know every single year is let's say i would feel anger and i would sit next to her and i would you know i would say um when she was younger i was using much simpler words it was good and bad good good guys or bad guys bad guys were the ones <laughs> where i did not really feel all that comfortable and then there were the good guys what are the bad guys telling me and i would feel this mm. sensation and i would tell her as she got older you know mommy's feeling angry right now it has nothing to do with you i am processing my own feelings but i think that would more like age seven eight or nine and beyond when yeah. she was much younger it was all through the body um, yeah. So one of the things we can definitely do is to recognize that we need to combine our intellectual capacity to understand our emotions with our physiological capacity to process them and recognize them, what they do to us internally. I'm mm. hoping yeah. this is kind of giving you clues to where I'm going with no, this. Or totally. I hope it's making sense. If not, ask me, challenge me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's totally making sense. And it's just, it's, uh, these are all the things that I'm really working through. I'm in therapy every other week and it's just been really helpful to have another person be able to kind of point out different reactions I've had and kind of dig in and question. And anybody who's out there listening, I would really encourage you to seek out a good therapist if that's something that you're open to, because that's been really helpful for me to just accept my emotions. I think personally, you know, some if I have an emotion come up or I get angry at someone or annoyed at something or whatever, my I've noticed that my tendency is to like get mad at myself or annoyed at like you shouldn't be feeling that way or you know, they didn't mean to and you should you should is kind of like the thing that I tell myself like you shouldn't or you should. And I've been really trying to move away from that and just be like, you're feeling angry right now. Just like I would say to Mackenzie, my daughter, you know, I tell myself, you're feeling angry right now. That's okay. You can feel angry. That's, that's the situation. And let that emotion come up, feel it, and then 
move on and let it dissolve, you know? And I think for some of us, for a lot of us, for some reason, whether it was growing up or whatever it was, like, we feel like we're not allowed to feel those emotions or we're bad or we're wrong, you know, to just feel it. And I think for me, just personally speaking, the first step has just been to just accept that I'm feeling that emotion. It's okay. You know, yeah. <laughs> just let it come up and out. And, and it's also <laughs> ultimately also connected to our entire stress processing apparatus. Is it something that we have experienced early, early on in life and we didn't know how to work with it? And it, it sends us into what I refer to in the book as well as an activation process, because anger is mm. a very deeply important emotion that is a primal emotion. There is a healthy boundary protective anger that we absolutely must have and then there is a, obviously the unhealthy anger where people either store it inside or they explode with it but it all starts these patterns that are entrenched and created inside our nervous system start from very very early on in in the in the childhood so it's also important to know how often does it come up is it something that we have maybe keyed in as a pattern through our activation because something we have experienced we have experience our nervous system activating in this particular case it could have been anger it could have been fear but we respond to both of them in a slightly different way and then how did we allow ourselves to come out of that because sometimes what happens we get stuck in that place and that gets patterned into the system so we can experience these emotions but also with that remember we're also experiencing our nervous system is that something where we may be possibly stuck so it keeps repeating over and over again and this is so important Mm -hmm. in business as well because you know none of this is separated like even when you're running a business you are going to experience anger and frustration and and all of those things but it to me it's really so important to start getting those building blocks so you can work with yourself as you said, because ultimately we create the blueprint for our kids. And now we know we create that blueprint, especially as moms, we create that blueprint at the time when we were pregnant. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the business side of things because I think, you know, one of the things that they, that I've tried to do, I think I read in, um, um, Dan Siegel's book, parenting from within, I think it's called parenting from the inside out. I always can never remember the exact title, but he talks about like when you see a behavior that your child does, like let's say your kid draws on the wall and you, your reaction is like you get really angry, maybe you yell at them, maybe you rip the thing out of their hand or whatever your reaction is to really question why you had that reaction. Because if you just look at the simple fact of like your kid drew on the wall, well, in the grand scheme of things, it's really not that big of a deal. You know, you're going to be able to clean it up. Probably you'll find a way. And to them as a kid, it was just this big blank canvas, you know, like our child did that recently. We have a white easel for her up and then right behind her is a white wall. Like, how is she supposed to know that? Right. So just having that awareness of questioning, why am I reacting? Like, what's that reaction all about? What is, what is it in me that got so triggered? And that's helping me personally translate to business side of things. So if I'm working with a client who maybe frustrated me or maybe they didn't pay on time or they did something, you know, that just sort of like, ah, oh, man, I'm, I'm frustrated at that. It's questioning, hmm, why, why am I so triggered by that? What's making me so upset by that thing they just did? Because maybe it wasn't really that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things, but for some reason I'm having a reaction. And so every time I have a reaction like that, I find it a really just a good exercise to really question myself of why did I get so triggered by that? And then every time I can question that and move through it, I've, I feel like I've sort of leveled up a tiny little bit of like, okay, you know, I'm getting a little bit better as a human. (laughs) 
I don't know yeah. if you've ever had any experience like that, or maybe you could talk a little bit more about how this translates into the business side of things. Um, I mean, emotional part, like often, you know, when I talk to clients um, who are building businesses, I often say, you know, remember, it's like the cash flow statement in your business. And that's your emotional side, because ultimately you will need to use your emotions as the source of information as to what's happening. And when your cash flow statement is not showing that the cash is flowing, similar thing is happening with your emotions. When your emotions get stuck, mm. you are going to be in this pattern. And eventually, you know, uh, it's going to affect your sleep and it's going to affect your health. And um, yeah, one of the discussions that I had with uh, with a few of my clients, prospective clients who are CEOs, you know, they were asking me, what would be the two things you would say, like the absolute foundational pieces for for a CEO? This is specifically business. And they're often surprised when I say two things, sleep and diet. And then understanding, like literally, it doesn't matter what yeah. you want to build. If your brain, and again, this comes back to everything being interconnected. If your brain doesn't get a chance to detoxify, if your immune system is not getting the right information, if you're losing the clarity of your thinking, if you are feeding your body with food that is going to cause the power cells, power plants in, inside your body, which are the tiny little organelles in our cells called mitochondria. And I'm kind of um, moving a little bit away, but it's all connected. If they are unable to mm -hmm. produce energy, you are not going to reach that seven figure business or whatever else that you want to build because you're weakening yourself on every level. And when it comes to emotions specifically, uh, they are so deeply tied, again, what I uh, you know mentioned already, to the nervous system, understanding what happens when an emotion rises, depending on what kind of an emotion it is, it can create this powerful activation energy inside our body. When we don't know how to release that because we have a pattern, it's going to interfere with sleep. It's going to interfere with our clarity of thinking. It's going to interfere with the level of confidence we show up, delivering our message, working with our clients, uh, because when we do our work for others, we need to exude that energy that we really know. Are, our clients are coming to us because we have dedicated our life to solving the problem that they are dealing with. So again, everything comes interconnected. And when we don't have our handle on our emotions, which are deeply tied to our nervous system, or we go into a place where our nervous system and our emotions take us to a place where we are kind of a little bit withdrawn. We start having self-doubt because again, the thoughts are connected to all of that. Our unconscious right. uh, mind programming comes to the surface. It's absolutely yeah. mind-blowing how amazing uh, you know our brains are and, and the human body is. And, and it all becomes a vicious circle. And that's why so many people um, end up, so many entrepreneurs end up working towards their goals, but at such a huge price to their body, to their health, to their mind, to their family. And unless we have a hold of that, Yes, we can create uh, companies, but at a massive, massive price. Um, yeah. So we need to really remember all of that, that um, all of these different components of ourselves, we need to truly understand so we can build that external additional baby. Uh, I call our companies our babies because they are. <laughs> they one day they just take off and they have a life yeah. of their own. And we need to yeah, truly seriously. master ourselves who we are in order to impact yeah. our kids and in order to create that identity that comes back to my tagline, create the identity that aligns with our goals. Because if my identity yeah. is, is of that who is going to self-sabotage or, or wear my energy down and my company goals are here, 
we're going to go in two different directions. So self-knowledge mm-hmm. and personal development are absolutely massively critically important for us becoming the CEOs of our life, whether it's, you know, running a family and being the mom CEO or being the CEO of our company. Yeah, I love that. And I there's something I'm curious if you've seen and I've I've observed this a lot and I I want to I'm curious if you've seen this is um, working with small businesses specifically, but really, you know, any small, medium, large business, whatever. <clears throat> if you look at the founder or the CEO, whoever's in charge, or usually kind of whoever started it and is running it currently, if you look at their personal lives and then you hold up also the way their business runs, it's 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 not surprising, but it's interesting to see how much that overlaps. So for example, one time I had some clients who they're just sort of um, kind of chaotic kind of people, not necessarily in a bad way, just that, you know, they kind of live life by the seat of their pants, you know, like they got a flight that morning at 10 and they're packing that morning and getting things ready to go, you know, those types of people. And then when you looked at the business they run, it was run exactly the same way, a very chaotic sort of last minute everything, crazy ideas here and there. And, and everybody was on their staff was just sort of along for the ride, which wasn't very good for their staff. Um, they had a very high turnover, but it's always been interesting. And, and every example, I mean, if you can look back at your career and look for companies, you look at companies you've worked for or worked with, and you look at the owners and you look at the way the company is run, they're the same. And so that's always been an interesting observation and something I've taken into account when starting up Kenza and, you know, running that business is, is like, you know, that this business is, whether I consciously mean to or not, it's going to be a reflection of how well I'm, I'm doing on the other side or outside of that business. So if I'm calm and balanced and really grounded, you know, that's how Kenza is going to appear in the world and how people are going to come and interact with the brand. Um, and so it's, I think that's important to really be paying attention to. I'm curious if you've noticed that when you've been working with clients. Oh, yes. Um, and, you know, especially <laughs> when it comes to type A personalities, you want to achieve a lot. And, you know, this is where the stress processing apparatus comes really into play. They accumulate. And let me just define stress as I define it also in the book. It's not the external pressures or external events. It's the buildup of tension and pressure in the human body that it doesn't know how to resolve. Over time, that that accumulates. And it's just a matter of time before... You know, some of the family dynamics uh, go wrong before sleep goes wrong or before they need to drown those pressures inside that they have so gotten used to dealing with because it becomes their normal, but it's not normal for their body. And that's when, you know, comes, you know, drinking a couple of uh, bottles of wine in the evening because they can't unwind without some some aid or having arguments or whatever else it may come. So to really, truly live um what I call more in a state of flow. I, you know, it's always, Mm -hmm. I think we need to constantly keep returning to that groundedness and what I sometimes call the the baseline. I don't see anything wrong with, you know, going up, being excited. We need that. We need that activation energy. I refer that to that in the book as the gas pedal. We need that. But then we also need to know how we release the revving of that internal engine. And then we, how we gently press the brake pedal 
And, um, you know, and then in order for us to go even deeper to relax and to rejuvenate, we need to have two kinds of sleep. One is the deep sleep. The other one is the REM sleep. Without those, we are unable to clean our brain and have the clear and focused thinking and, and, you know, and restore our immune system. So we literally need to function, in my view, as healthy ocean waves. And sometimes there's the big wave that comes, you know, that is going to kind of like knock us out of balance. But as long as we build capacity to regulate our nervous system, emotions include are included in it. We have the ability to downregulate, come back again, reach the baseline, go beneath the baseline to to restore, to rejuvenate, to to heal. Excuse me, to digest. And sometimes we need to, you know, when we experience something deeply, um, you know, dangerous or 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 traumatic you know for instance being in an accident or something we need to dip into that capacity of our body to shut down because it's going to save our life oh my gosh this could be a conversation for a completely different hour but (laughs) what we need to if we do not develop the capacity again to upregulate from that and move back into the flow we are stuck we can get either stuck up we can get stuck down beneath the baseline or we can alternate between the two but unless we have that healthy flow we are going to have some form of dysregulation in our system. And that's why, you know, in the world where we live today, in the complex world that we live today, to create this capacity takes really dedicated and committed practice. And we can't just um, learn and, you know, and read about it to end of the world. We need to practice this. It's like you can't get clean teeth just by reading a book from the best dentist in the world. (laughs) You need to actually floss and brush and go to your dental hygienist, right? It needs to be a practice. And so that's why living in these complex times that are so challenging, you know, for adults. But I would say, despite at least talking about the Western world, North America, Europe, uh, you know, living in a very materially, relatively speaking, I should say, because not everybody has the opportunity or the the privilege, relatively speaking, um, abundant material world. There is a lot of mm-hmm. poverty on the level of of our mindset, of the on the level of our emotional regulation, our nervous system regulation, and yeah. I think there's a lot of work ahead of us to to help to move us towards that state. Yeah, I I just love everything you're talking about here. I think that one of the one of the things that um, I've done personally that might help some of our listeners out there is I've, sh- I've tried to shift my mindset about how I think about things like what we would call maybe self-care. So like meditation and exercise and getting good sleep, um, going to therapy, all those types of things. Um, <clears throat> I've started to stop putting them in a separate bucket and put them more in you know, the bucket of this is what's helping me build my business. This is what's helping me build my family and support my family emotionally and otherwise. And so when I think about it that way, so I, so I have a very limited, I have like set hours that I can get worked on while um, my daughter is at preschool three days a week. And so I, you know, I have to sit down, I have to get to work. And I used to think, oh, I don't have time to meditate today. I have a bunch of stuff to get done. Now what I'm thinking is like, I don't, I have to meditate in order to get all my things done. You know, even if it's just 10 minutes, it's part of my work day. It's not this separate thing that, oh, if I have time to do it, I will. It's like, no, this is just as important as getting your work done. You need to do a little workout. You need to get in your meditation, take a shower, get ready and then work. And it's amazing how much more productive my day is when I do those things, when I have a good breakfast, when I eat lots of vegetables and follow all those, you know, all the things that I know make my body feel good and my mind feel good. 
um, it's, it's amazing how much of a difference it makes. And, and for me, the mindset of switching that to just integrating it into my life versus it being this separate bucket that maybe I'll get to or not, um, even though it's just a different way of thinking about it, it's made a huge difference in the way I approach it. So I don't know if that helps anybody out there, but. Absolutely, um, I think it's wonderful. Yeah. And because really ultimately all of those things that you are doing are defining your identity that you need to have in order to have the life and business that you're creating. And truthfully, one of the first things within a few months when I start working with my clients, uh, I help them with my help, we co-create like the CEO ritual. Um, you know, things that are incorporated into their life that they absolutely are going to change the way they run the business and the way they approach family issues. And, you know, if they happen to be parents then you know, parenting as well, because we need to not only impact our physiology, we need to impact our mindset, both on conscious and unconscious levels. And, you know, truthfully, we can only be aware of our conscious mind our unconscious mind, which is responsible for what science is like 95% of our decision-making is basically unconscious to us. And we need to have so specific wild. ways of accessing that. So creating these rituals is amazing, Tiffany, because they really lead you towards the path of becoming the person who you need to be in order to, to create what you want. And our businesses and our lives are not separate things. You right. know, if you're going to have yeah. an argument with your husband, it's going to impact your business that day. Or if you're going yeah. to have, if your child totally. is going to get sick, it's going to impact how you feel maybe during that next client conversation that you need to have. You cannot postpone because you will tell yourself, well, you know, I committed to this. I, like, I need to hop on this 15 minute call no matter what, assuming, you know, it's not an emergency situation, of course. Um, <laughs> Right, but all right. of these things, like we are one human being, we are one identity. So creating these rituals, I absolutely think it's incredible. You're doing it and you're building it because that is going to define your future version that you're creating. Same for me. I am 100% dedicated to my CEO ritual uh, because everything I teach, I embody first. Like I'm not going to tell somebody do this and then I'm, you know, I say, okay, I am just exempt from that because I am already past that. I have been at this work for a few decades and I can tell you I'm not done and I'm never going to be done. And there is this famous quote by someone and I cannot remember right now who it, who it was. I believe it is a woman. And I will par paraphrase. If we are not embarrassed by who we were last year, we, were, we haven't grown or haven't learned enough. And I live mm -hmm. by that. I literally live mm -hmm. by that. Yeah, I like that. I'll be thinking about that one. So as we start to wrap up here, um, I like to try and leave our audience with at least one thing, if there's a couple that's fine, that is a good takeaway and maybe something they can put into practice right now, you know, after they listen to this. What's, I mean, I know that, you know, a big thing is re-evaluating your eating and evaluating your sleeping and, and making sure that you're at least setting yourself up for, you know, to be successful with those two things. But is there anything else that you'd want our audience to walk away with? It's something they can put into practice right away to, to help them awaken their inner leader. Absolutely. Uh, reevaluate and make sure, not just reevaluate, but, you know, dedicate yourself to having good diet with whole foods and, and achieving good sleep. And one simple thing that I often say um, when people ask me what they can incorporate, get to learn, start learning how your body communicates. Because getting into your body is so essential. One of the simple and fun tips that I often offer as a starting point is, you know, find, you know, six, seven minutes of your time and then choose two different pieces of music. One that is going to be extremely fast, uh, 
energizing. It can be classical, it can be modern, it can be pop, whatever, whatever suits you. And one that is really quieting and soothing. And then play one and start noticing how your body responds to that. What do you notice happening inside of you? One bit will be more kind of driving you or helping you to experience that gas pedal. And the other one will be helping you to more experience that pressing down the brake pedal. And just notice, no no judgments on it, no conclusions drawn to it. I just encourage everyone who is listening to it, just notice what happens in your hands, in your arms, in your chest, in your back, in your face, when you listen to something that is really loud, energizing, powerful, and, 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 you know, very hard, you know, quick beat. And then something like, you know, Louis Armstrong's, uh, what a wonderful life, I think it's called. Mm. And just notice what, how your body differently responds, because it's not the verbal language only that we need. It's not the, just the power of our intellect. It's really dropping back into our body, learning how our body communicates and have fun with it. And if you want to uh, live, uh, leave Tiffany with some feedback, let her know and just yeah, enjoy. And that. if you have kids old enough, do it with them. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, well, great. I, I love that that last piece of advice there. Um, Adita, tell us how people can find you and how they can work with you. Of course. Thank you so much. So you can easily find me on my website, editaatek.com or on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is my main social media platform. And uh, currently I'm working one-on-one with, um, you know, visionary women, CEOs, leaders, uh, entrepreneurs, founders. And uh, the way I engage with people is through um, having what I call a deep conversation uh, for somebody who feels that they are the ideal um, you know, fit for this, uh, or they're some, they're, they're drawn to it. And we just sit down for a good 60 to 75 minutes virtually. And, uh, I just ask a lot of questions. And then the end of the conversation, if we feel we're the right fit, I am happy to explain how we can work together. Or if not, I will offer other, uh, recommendations, uh, presuming uh, anybody who has a invest in myself mindset, because you really need to believe that you are your greatest asset. Um, yeah. You know, don't hesitate. The conversation, it doesn't cost anything, uh, but it will give us an opportunity to dive into what's possible for you. That is so generous of you to offer such a good chunk of time there to people and see if it could be a good fit and see how you can help. That's that's really cool. And each month I have a few limited spots for that. So um, you can find that on the website for anybody who is interested. Awesome. And we'll definitely link everything we talked about here, um, Adita's website, also her book. You can find it on Amazon, Awaken Your Inner Leader, Transform Stress, Develop Emotional Mastery, and Thrive. Um, And so purchase that, check it out. I know I'm going to. And um, if this is something that you want to dive deeper into, I'd really encourage you to reach out because... um, yeah, this is important work. And if we're going to be CEOs of our own companies, even if it's just you or maybe you and one other person, um, it's really important that you work on yourself to make sure that you're able to bring what you want into the world. Um, So thank you, Azita, for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge with us. We really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you so much, Tiffany. And uh, I really wish everyone all the best and be safe. Be kind to yourself.